0: All right, let's jump in today. Let's get this finished. I started off by telling you I am finishing up this series today. And so the past few uh, months or weeks, I should say, we have been doing this series called Life Revolution. And we started out by uh, talking to you about uh, Upgrade, the first message in this series called uh, Upgrade DIY. Then we dealt with Discovering You. Then we dealt with Release the Pressure. All of those three was under... uh, self-mastery. One of the things in life that you're going to have to master is you. And so we started talking about this whole life revolution in self-mastery. I think the biggest hindrances to our forward motion in life comes because we have not mastered the self. We master our phones. We master our children. We master recipes, but we don't master us. And once we master us, things are going to get better tell yourself, I'm going to master me. Then we went into the relationship component and we started dealing with, uh, we did a a family component called I Got You Covered. Last week I dealt with the friend side of relationships that's called uh, Where There's a Friend, There's a Way. I believe it's going to bless you. We got great feedback from that. So go out to our website and go out to uh, Apple Music. We are on, on iTunes, I should say. We're on under... Timothy Fryer Ministries or Tim Fryer Ministries. You can get all of our podcasts there. So today, I want to look at another component, and I want to look at the component that is our work life, all right? So we got some teenagers and some school-age children here. For you, when I say work life, that's going to be your school life, because that's what your job is right now. All the parents should be like, yes, that's right. Yeah, you, this is what you do. You get up and you go to school. So this is going to convert to that for you. So let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. I'm going to start there. We're going to go over into chapter 4, verse 1. And it reads from the NIV version. It reads, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eyes are on you. <laughs> this must be me, but I don't know. I'm just that electromagnetic personality to um, Not only when their eye is on you and to win their favor, but uh, it with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Chapter four, 4, verse 1 says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, for some of you who uh, get stuck up on language, I'm going to give you a modern version of this. Are you ready? As you know some people get stuck on language I ain't no slave but well, that's some of your problem some of your problem is that you're not a slave and you need to be to God and because our culture runs away from those kinds of words we as Christians can't run away from that because Paul says as a bond servant a doulos he says I am a freed slave which means I am slave, I am chained to Jesus Christ but I am free in doing it. Anyway, let me, let me, let me give you a uh, modern version of this so you can rest and hear me because your spirit is all balled up. Here we go. You ready? Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, and it says, bosses, I'm sorry, employees, emble- uh, obey your earthly bosses in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Bosses, provide for your employees what is right and fair because you know that you also have a boss in heaven so far our scripture reading today i want to talk to you from this thought a christ-centered nine to five a christ-centered nine to five let's pray together lord i thank you for this preaching moment i know that you are in the room i sense you already and i pray holy spirit that you would uh amplify your word in every situation in our lives so that we will receive it not just be hearers but also doers of your word i ask lord jesus that you would make plain the text of scripture lead us and we will follow now think through my mind speak through my mouth give me clarity of thought and agility of wit. Allow me to talk in the power of the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. A Christ-centered nine to five. So many believe that the notion of work is as a result of Adam's fall. Uh, people, People believe that we work the way we have to work because Adam sinned and then God made us work. That's not true. Okay, that's not true. So, for all y'all to go to work every day cussing Adam out, just leave Adam alone because this is not Adam's fault. Now, when Adam sinned, God cursed him to a kind of work that will cause him to have to sweat and toil for a product, wherein that was not God's plan. However, work in and of itself was not as a result of Adam's fall. As a matter of fact, before anything existed, in order for it to exist, God went to work. Woo! I could just stop preaching right there. For all the people that feel like they don't want to work or they mad because they have to work, God worked. God God worked. As a matter of fact, God looked out, uh, Genesis 1, over nothing, and resolved that there should be something in the space of nothing, and he worked on it for six days. Genesis chapter 2 says it this way, thus the heavens and the earth and all of the host of them were finished, and on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So God works. So the notion of work comes from God. It is not punishment. It is opportunity. Hear me. What God did was God said, here's how it's going to work. Here's how it's going to operate. In order for you to have productivity in your life, you're going to have to work for it. If there's something missing, if there's emptiness in certain places in your life, you're going to have to understand that in order for me to fill it, I'm going to have to work. Nothing just happens. You're going to have to work for it. And the notion of work is a godly principle. In order for things to be, there must be work. In order for things to be, there must be work. So if you're saying to me, I'm in a loveless relationship, in order for things to be, somebody got to get to work. You want some peace in your life? In order for things to be, you're going to have to work. You need more money? In order for things to be, you're going to have to work for it. If it doesn't exist and you feel like it needs to exist, you're going to have to work for it. Fruit or fruitfulness or productivity, does not happen without work y'all with me on that all right good so then work is the productivity of or a result of action productivity in your life is a result of action so uh that's god's view of work is that we should do it because he did it now let's deal with our view of work real quick because our view of work in society we've created this label or this designation regarding work and we called it we call it secular and sacred all right Some would say that what I do, because I'm a full-time pastor, I I do the sacred, all right? Um, I don't ascribe to that. I believe that I work in the secular because I have people who come here who need Jesus. They're not flowing in the sacred. As a matter of fact, I think that whole designation is a church thing, the sacred and the secular, all right? My thing is, if God created everything, then I think it's all sacred. Why is it all sacred? Because God has a heart for lost people. And so, if God has a heart for lost people, then all the work that you and I do is all sacred. And if we would treat it as such, we wouldn't treat people bad. What do you mean? If you look at the person who's flipping you the bird on I 20 because you cut in and you didn't see him, he was in your blind spot. Does that still exist, your blind spot? Because I still have them in my car. Y'all got blind spots? Okay, because every once in a while you get over and you realize, ooh, I didn't see that car because it was just in your blind spot. And them people just back there cussing you out. And sometimes I wonder, so you don't have blind spots on your car? Listen, that's why some people are so judgmental because they don't see their own blind spots. And they feel like they don't have any. You see what I'm saying? And so they quick to point out you this, you this, you this. And as a result... They're fussing at you about some stuff, judging you about some stuff, only because they don't re- realize that I have blind spots too. But when that person behind you start going off, instead of you start going off with them like, what, 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 what were, you know, you in the back, what, what, all the way down. And then when they finally pass you, they're staring at you and you're staring at them. When we, <laughs> if we realize that they, this is a sacred moment because God cares about them, God cares about them. Surely you didn't think God only cared about you. Oh, see, you keep thinking that God thinks like you. So because you're only concerned about you, you think God is only concerned about you. Let me clear that up. He is concerned about you, but he's also concerned about others. Okay? He, he's also concerned about the lost. Here's what Peter writes, and I think it helps us understand that this whole sacred and secular, I think it's all sacred if we are working for God. It's all sacred. Here's what Peter says. He says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is longsuffering toward us—here it is—not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. When we understand that and we start understanding this view of sacred and secular, as Christians, we need to have the heart that it's all sacred to us because God cares about everybody and he doesn't want to lose anybody. You hear me? So so you probably could take out of your vocabulary, you could go to hell. You need to take that out of your vocabulary. Look at y'all like, who says that? Not not those who say you believe in the salvific power of God. What is that? In the salvation of God. If you believe it, you shouldn't say that to anybody. Oh, gosh, I didn't think it was going to be like this today. I'm just talking about work. Quit saying that to your ex. Quit saying that to your neighbor who you can't stand. Quit cussing your cousins and your sisters and brothers out saying that. Not when you are a Christian. Or maybe that's what we should, should we be judging that? Should we be be judging your status based on how you care about others because it is not his desire that any should go to hell well I'm preaching real good right here I'm I'm preaching way better than y'all talking but you know what today I am feeling me so I know this is a great word and the Lord has given it to me so whether you say anything or not I'm gonna preach it and I'm gonna preach it like you standing on your head Because the bottom line is this, you can't tell me that you love God and you want to be, or I want to do ministry full time, but you are damning people to hell. Because that's not his way. So then everybody is important. Sin is how he, the reason he delays, oh man. So I said to my sisters the other day, I'm going to be real transparent with y'all. And I really don't care. It's a good day to be transferred because I don't care if you judge. me. Listen. <laughs> so listen. Uh, I said to my sisters the other day. Um, Monday before last was the one-year anniversary of my dad's passing, and as we were talking about it and talk about how much we missed him, I said to him, I said to them, I said, guys, I, um, I said I don't know. I- I'm gonna be honest. And there were times that I was mad at my daddy. And my mom died when I was 25, and there was times since that age that I would say, Lord, you should have took daddy first because I need my mama. And they agreed, yep, yep. I said, but what I have realized in the 20-something years that he lived after her, that the Lord did him and us a favor in allowing him to stay here and not taking him to glory because there was some stuff that he still needed to impart. There was some stuff that that both relationships on both sides needed to fix and appreciate at another level. And the legacy that he left, he would not have left it had he gone early. And so what God was saying to me was, I gave you more time to get the legacy he had in him. I gave him more time To get it out of him and into you guys you see what i'm saying so so then god has a way of delaying because he has some intent for everybody okay he he has intent of those for those toward those who do do not know him and so he delays so they can get an opportunity to get it right. Y'all with me? And see, you want to be happy about that. Because although you tell him one side to go somewhere, the other cousin you love to death. This is my sister. This he ju- We just like brothers. But they don't know Jesus. And we need him to delay. So we can be cousins here and cousins in heaven. You understand? And not be trying to send fireproof postcards to hell. Like, how you doing, Ray Ray? We, we, not, we don't want to do that. <laughs> Man, y'all, y'all, y'all a hard crowd today. Okay, so, so here's what needs to happen. There needs to be a paradigm shift as it relates to the marketplace when it comes to us, all right? Uh, what this stage is to my job, your workplace is to you. Paradigm shift. All right. I'm trying to help you get this shift because the paradigm is the way you see things. Paradigm shift is seeing the same thing in a different way. You know what I'm saying? So what this stage is to me, your job is to you. So I there are days when I don't want to come here, but I realize that this stage to my job is important. You got to realize that your job is important. Stop fussing about it every morning. Stop fussing about it. Stop, stop uh, dreading it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it today. We're going we're to get you shifted in your thinking. All right, we're going to get you shifted in your thinking because God is using you, but there's a disconnect because He sees your job as this. You see your job as a problem, okay? Okay? So here's, here's what my pastor says. I'm going to give you one of his quotes that I really like. He says, your place of employment could be your place of deployment. All oh, that I'm a soldier and now I'm in the Lord. <laughs> I'm a king. Look, I, look I, I'm a God. God put me in the earth. I'm carrying him, but you don't want to carry him at your job. But it could be your place of employment or your first period class could be where he is deploying you to do work as his agent oh lord okay let me give you another one he says i really like he says although your job may not be your mission it might be your mission field oh god got me in the earth see i I come here every day i'm just having to get because i need this money but this ain't what god told me to do god has called me to something I got a mission. I got a plan for my life. I got a purpose. And God's going to use me. He's trying to. But you are so self-centered that you're missing the fact that the job you have is a job that he opened the door for so that he could use you over there. It's the mission field. I want to make sure you're clear because, see, we keep thinking that's the whole sacred sec- secular. I want a I job in ministry. You have one. You have one. When you go in the office on tomorrow morning, you are on your mission field. You are doing for them what I am now doing for you. My job is to equip the saints. Your job is to make sure you go get the saints and bring them in. Oh, boy. Here's some statistics. This will help you. Less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. Less than 20% of Americans attend church regularly. Now, watch this. At this rate, uh, the projected church attendance for 2050 is 11.7% of Americans. What are we? we headed into, what is this, 2020. In 30 years, 11% of Americans will be regular church attenders. Isn't that crazy? So the, if there's 11%, then that means I got, what is that, 89% of, of non-churchgoers. Watch this. 100 percent, just about 100 percent of the 89 percent non-church attenders going to get up and go to work the next day. They're going to get up and go to work, which means that those of us who do attend, those of us who do claim the name of Jesus, when we go to work, we got a mission field that is ripe for the picking. That's why you can't go in there cussing. That's why you can't go in there late. Oh, I can't get no talk. That's why you can't go in there with, with, with. So I was in, I was in Food Depot the other day. Food Depot. And Keisha Mitchell turned me on at Food Depot because there's there some great savings there, right? So I was in Food Depot and um, I, I'm just happy that it's cheaper. And I know that it's cheaper because I went in there one night after Bible study, bought a, a big thing of pickles. And it was like $2.35. I said, I'm going to get ready to check this. I looked on the Walmart app to see how much these pickles were at Walmart who's supposed to be your savings dropper people. It was like $4 and some change. So is it was a significant savings? Yeah, I, I guess I'm giving Food Depot a shout out. But I'm about to say something about them too watches. So, I went in there Friday and so I said to the lady, I said so so tell me so no, I saw the sign that says we add 10% to your final bill. And I said, hey, tell me, tell me what that's about. And so she was a nice lady, just chatty, chatty, just really chatty. And she said, oh, well, because the food cost, they sell it to you at wholesale. The way they make their money is by adding 10%. That's how they make their profit. And I was like, hey, I'm, I'm down. But she went on to say, but you know what, that's what they say. what? You know that's what they say. You know, you, you know everybody's out for their own. And she just kept going on, and I was thinking, are you kidding me? It's like thinking, lady, you, you don't know if I'm a secret shopper for these people. You're going to say all of that, but what's amazing to me, it's amazing to me how we hire that caliber of people to touch our money. And when I say touch our money, I don't mean the green. I mean to touch me, the customer. I represent dollars to you. You see what I'm saying? And so, if she was an agent of Jesus Christ, I don't even want to hear what you had to say about Jesus because you are not a good employee of Food Depot. As nice as she was to me. She was so kind. But somewhere, she gets something in here against Food Depot. You know what I'm saying? Something in here against Food Depot. Now watch. Uh, I bought a turkey... Because um, my pastor friend in Dallas, who I went to preach for the other, way, other day, his church gives away turkeys, and somebody at his church um, put the name of a family who was in need, and that family was in Douglasville. So he called me and said, hey, can I get CCC to partner with us? I was like, no sweat. You know, we'll do it. And so we're going to sit our uh, uh, elders over and take the turkey. But I bought the turkey since I was in Food Depot, and it was so cheap. I bought the turkey. And so the lady was like, you're only supposed to buy two turkeys. And I had three. And she said, hey, you're only supposed to buy two turkeys, but I'm going to be nice and let you have three. So I was like, great, thank you. And I was like, yeah, this third one is for the church, blah, blah, blah. She said, see, I didn't even know that. God is good. God is so wonderful. And she started talking about God, and it was after that that she had all that to say about Food Depot. Now, you love God, but your heart is stained. And now, although you're praising God, you're still giving me a bad taste about your employer. So, you grinning and then dogging Food Depot and taking their money. I don't know. I can't listen to you about God. Because I'm right now, I don't know. You might get fickle on God if something happened in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we got to be careful because when you go into the workplace, the workplace is now your mission field. Hear me. Hear me clearly. You come in here to get information, to be charged, to be knowledgeable, to have worship, to have this God encounter, to be uh, infused, and then you go out there to win for him. What's your win record? since you dogging the Falcons. What's your win record? I mean, you work for the one who created everything. He should be winning all over the place. What's his win record with you? How many people have you turned away from him because you nasty at work? Come on, come on, we're happy. We're happy, right? All right, I'm gonna leave you out alone in just a few minutes. I'm just about done. So listen, 85% of Christians spend 60 to 70 uh, percent of their waking hours in the marketplace 85 percent of Christians over 60 percent of your your waking hours is at work that's your mission field because see you telling me because you know I work all the time I don't have time to go out there and and tell somebody about Jesus you work beside a heathen at work (laughs) <laughs> i just said that because that's what y'all y'all call them the heathens at work they, they go uh, and what's amazing is they go home and say the same thing about you with a christ-centered card laying up on your desk i work with how this heathen at, at work she's just so mean he always late, all day he just be on the phone every time i look over there in this cubicle he on amazon Okay, y'all looking. I'm gonna let it go because I don't want to offend nobody. So here we go. In our text today, I got 12 minutes. So I'm gonna knock it out. In our text today, Paul is presenting something new to a group of Christians. It's called Christian ethics. Christian ethics. So we start. We started reading around verse uh, 2 uh, 22. But when you go up, you've heard this text before. It starts out by this. It's a whole new concept. And here's the concept. He is teaching them about a concept called mutual obligation. Everybody say mutual obligation. So he starts out by saying, and this is one of a lot of brothers like this one, wives, submit to your husbands. He goes on to say, husbands, love your wives. He goes on to say, uh, fathers or parents, Don't provoke your children. Then he goes on to say, employees and employers do right by one another. This is a very uh, new concept in Christian thought for the church at Colossae because what normally is the case in the uh, uh, Greco-Roman world, what's happening is the man of the house or the father of the house, is the one who is also the slave owner or is also the employer. He's the boss. And so what has happened is Paul is now saying, hey, I know y'all used to operating a certain kind of way. The father owns the wife and the children, and he also owns the business with the employees. He says, now I want to talk to you from another world. He says, now, Everybody who is a Christ follower has an obligation to one another. So, wives, I know your husband says submit, and you should. But let me say to husbands, you ought to love. Okay? He goes on to say, I know that the children should be obedient to you, but also parents. Don't provoke them. Don't keep pushing them. Here's what the text really means. Don't come down so hard on them that you break their spirit. All the children I say amen to that. So then he goes on to say, now I want to talk about this work life because really what Paul is saying, in the life of Christ, there's, you fall under two categories. You fall under family life and work life and both of them should be in Jesus. That's what he's teaching. So it's a whole new ethic that we got going on that there is a mutual obligation, That even though, and here's what I like about Paul. Paul's saying in this family, because in this text, you see, this is the subtle stuff that we miss sometimes. In the text, he's talking to slaves, if you will. He's talking to employees. In the regular flow of the world, they don't exist. Talking to a slave is like talking to a cow. It's property that's owned. So in the normal world, it would be, hey, those of you that own stuff, let me talk to y'all. Not even to the wife, not even to the children, not even to the employees. Paul says, in Christ, everybody counts. So I want to talk to everybody. Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. And let me go on and step into this social commentary really quick. While black lives matter, in Christ, they all matter. See, I know this is ain't like the stuff we want to. You want to go to the militant churches that big and the black and the pastor be like, black people and we need to do. That's not where I am because I am not Afrocentric. I'm Christocentric because you could be black and go to hell. My job is to make sure that you are black, filled with Christ, so when he comes again, you go with him. I want to see all the black people in heaven. See, ain't nobody talking about that. I want to see all the black people in heaven. Can I get an amen from some black person in? Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Put me on CNN. I don't care. I'm trying to get there. Because Paul is saying... Everybody matters, not just the ones who own, but even the ones who are being owned. He says, we all matter. And I'm going to talk to you, he says, about the way you live in Christ. So then he purports as, as this, this thing in my last seven minutes. I'm going to today, so proud of me. I'm proud of me. So he says, employees, I want you to work well. Employers, I want you to treat well. So he's teaching this. Here's what you, I want to give you two principles here. Uh, that you should approach work with that Paul gives us. It's only two, and I want to give you two because I don't want to confuse you, and when you go to work tomorrow, I want you to have it. There are two principles that you need to approach work with when you go. Number one is motive, and number two is perspective, okay? When you go to work, you need to make sure that you keep your motive right and your perspective clear. So let's deal with motive for a second. Your motive, here it is, our motive in the marketplace should be to get my work done in excellence. Let me stop right here because that's counter—that's counter, that's countercultural. Because if, be, if you tell the truth, and I ain't going to ask nobody to show hands, but if you tell the truth, most of us are like this. I'm going to work so I can get my money. Thank you for being honest, Adrian thank you. I'm going to work to get my money because I don't care nothing about all of this. I don't care nothing about none of this. I want to get my money. Paul is saying here that should not be your perspective. Your perspective should be to get my money. No. Your perspective should be to do my work and to do it in excellence. Listen, Christians, Cannot go to work and do work to just get by. I know. I know. See, in all of this preaching for all these years, just name it and claim it. Go out to the park, go out to the car light, put your hand on it. And all this kind of stuff, we hadn't been teaching Christian ethics that says when you go to work, as a Christian, you should excel. As a Christian family, uh, uh, students in school, you should be excelling simply because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You walking around here with these Jesus is my homeboy t-shirts? What's that other one? Uh, God is dope. All, all the Jesus paraphernalia that he ain't getting nothing from. He ain't, anybody nobody tithing off that. I'm going to get my own line. I'm going to tithe off mine. Lord, give me a line. I'm going to tithe off mine. You know I will. So Listen. We got to make sure that the work that we produce inside the marketplace is worthy of him. So it can no longer be just getting by. I'm going to do just enough. What Paul is really saying here, and he says it very clearly. He says, you cannot be a great worker when your boss is looking. You cannot be a good student because your teacher is walking down the aisle, and now I'm going to act like I'm doing my work. As soon as the teacher passed, I'm going to start walking and playing again. I'm going to start talking and playing again. You see what I'm saying? So so you got to make sure Paul is saying this is not just about when he's looking or it's not just about brown nosing. If you're going to be a fantastic worker, be a fantastic worker. Not because of who notices you. I talked to a guy the other day guy who I just met that day we were just talking about work and business and I was talking about some coaching stuff he said to me he said man I made I made a mistake I was working for a big firm and I mean he does well now he said but I made a mistake that I I took with me he said I was working in HR it was a large HR department but there was only about four black people and I was a black man even fewer black men in the department and he said my boss told me That he wanted me to apply for this job because he knew I would get it he said man I had favor and I even he said I even had an inside track on what they were going to ask me I was ready he said and it went to somebody else and he said I got so angry that they stepped over me for the job he said I quit he said my mentor told me hey man it's going to be hard for you to replace that money. Whether it was with the position, the promotion or not, it's just going to be hard for you to replace that money. He said, and so I learned the lesson that when it was my time, it was going to be my time. And I should have just stayed because it wasn't my time yet. And he said, what happened was I got offended and I left early. I said, But the best thing about all of that, since it had to happen and it it went down the way it did, is that you learned the lesson from it. See, what needs to happen at work is that you are a stellar employee, not just in work, but also in response to some stuff that you feel like ain't right. You got to respond in a way that still puts Jesus in a good light. You hear me? You can't go to work and lay your religion down. Oh, I can't get no talk right now. that's the kind of stuff we do because it ain't church. But what you're missing is it ain't church. But that's where you go do the work that you learn about in church. That's the way you do it. Good morning goes a long way in Jesus' name. Good morning. And inside you can say in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm representing him. I'm mad. I don't want to be here today. And so because I'm representing him, good morning. Let that sit there for a second. One thing to aggravate me, period, is for people to get on the elevator and not speak. Oh, they get on my nerves. Or for me to get on the elevator and speak to people and they don't say nothing. In my travels, that happens a lot. Like in early mornings, you get on there. There's like five people in the elevator at the hotel and nobody you say good morning. Nobody says nothing. You know, I'm that guy. I turn around and say, good good, good morning. I look at everybody. They be like, oh, good morning, good morning. I want to be asleep just like you. I look at everybody in the elevator. (laughs) Close quarters. Let's not do that in here. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, class. Everybody, good morning. I just say it together. Let's get it done. Okay, so watch this. Uh, uh, Here's something the Lord showed me that I think is going to help us all as it relates to work, and my time is gone, so I'm going to move fast. He said to me, Tim, just like my people come into my presence or come into the sanctuary and they worship and I come in, he said, just like at home when they listen to their music and they lift their hands and they worship and I come in, I'm invited in, he said, you can also live in my presence at work. And I said, Tim, tell me about that. You got to give me an example because I they ain't gonna buy that. I <laughs> said so the people ain't gonna buy that. You what at work? You got you got somebody on this side blasting the spiritual vitamin. You got the other people on this side, you know, low key playing ratchet. How how that's gonna happen? Come on, you know you know your co-workers be over there playing ratchet booty music at work. Yeah, I don't want to be here. Okay. He says, he says, I want you to look at this. Psalm twenty four. Psalm 24, verse 3, says this, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? In other words, who gets access to your presence? Look at what the text says. It says, He who has clean hands. Clean hands is your works. Make sure that the work that you're doing is good. That's what clean hands mean. And he who has a pure heart, that's your motive, who has not lifted up your soul to an idol, which would be money, at that place you get access. So watch, when you go to work and you're working with excellence and the right motive, God says, I step right in. He says, surely you didn't think the great ideas you've been having and the good problem-solving skills that you got, you surely you don't think that's you that's me that's because i'm stepping into your life I, you said some stuff in a meeting one day that you didn't even know you were saying and the manager heard it was like wow that was a great idea let's look at them they might need a promotion and that was god because his presence is on you you don't have to go to work and not be in his presence see when you think that way it's gonna help you be okay with going don't get me wrong it ain't gonna make you feel like i'd rather be here than in bed that ain't that ain't gonna change You're going to always want to be in bed if you can be in bed. But since you got to go. Am I right about it? Am I the only one that I would rather be home? I mean, I love what I do here, but I'd rather be home. When I step up here and preach, and even if I'm not feeling good, I just notice that when I do this, because this is Tim's sweet spot in life, I feel better. However, when I woke up at five and sat on the side of the bed, I said, Lord, is there any other way? Let this cup pass from me. Because I needed to finish this lesson. And I'm like, you you have been pressing images in my head, but we didn't have a flow. So I had to get up early to get this flow. And I'm like, Lord. So I woke up at 5. I went to the bathroom, sat on the side of the bed, turned the light on, I just sat on the side of the bed, and I was like, Lord, I can't do this today. So I laid down put my alarm on for 15 minutes, put a 15-minute timer on, I left the light on because if i gone deep, y'all would have been like, where's Pastor? <laughs> yeah. Y'all would have been looking for me. I, listen, so I get it that there are days when you don't want to go. But the days that you go, you need to know that you go in his presence when your work is right and when your motive is pure. Y'all hear what I'm saying? What kind of day could you have? Meeting deadlines and winning souls. What kind of day could you have at work when somebody looks at your life and be like, hey, can I just talk to you for a minute? You just always seem to be cool. Like, can I just talk to you? Imagine that. Imagine that you don't have to knock on doors to give Jesus. That they'll come and knock on your door. The best thing for a salesperson is to have a lead. It's horrible for salespeople to have to do cold calls or knock on doors or just start from scratch. But if I can get a lead, if you just act like you halfway interested in my product, man, I'll sell you the shoes you're wearing. <laughs> so then if you get to wear, listen... If you say to me, I just don't seem to have opportunities to win souls to Christ, I just kind of feel like maybe I'm not doing my part. Number one, you're not, and you should be. Now, wait, ooh, Pastor, I felt guilty. Good. That is my intent, because he wants to use you. You are the salt of the earth, all right? So here's the deal. God allows people to have food that's bland and flavorless, and you become the salt in the office, And then they come over to you and it's like, listen, I'm so tired of eating this meat with no salt on it. Can you help me? Whether it's a work-related issue or a life-related issue, they see something in you. And then it becomes an open door. Not an open door for you to kick it in and be like, you know you need Jesus, don't you? I've been waiting on you to come over here to my cubicle. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you build relationship in such a way that they want what you have. And it happens at work. It could happen, you know. And this is the reason why we at Christ Center Church don't do a whole lot of church. We don't do conferences. We don't do all that stuff and because I want you to be out there letting that light shine. It is at that place at work where you start using your spiritual gifts. That's why we have uh, uh, core essentials where you find is it get, get connected which one are we do it in now i think it's get connected where we find out in core essentials what your gifting is so you can walk in work in your evangelistic place and know it the reason i do what i do at the rate that i do it is because i know my gift you know what i'm saying so when you know your gift you can go to work do your work and when the moment kicks in you'll be ready because you know this is my gift right here I got the gift of helps. So I'm gonna come over here and help you do this. And as while I'm helping you, you're gonna you're gonna open your your life up to me. And the Holy Ghost is gonna give me a word of knowledge. And I'm gonna tell you, here's what it is right here. And then next thing you know, it's like, you know what? You was right. How did you know that? Shout out! Next thing they'll bring you another thing. Let me pray with you. Can I pray with you about it? No, we're not gonna pray up here in the office. You trying to get me fired? Because the Lord's gonna give you wisdom too. Cause you hear what I'm saying? And don't get so don't get so off your game that you're in there speaking in tongues in the office, and they'd be like, Hey Mary, can we can we see you in the office? Hey, I, I don't I don't know. I didn't know you were from another country. We didn't know that language, but we're just not gonna need you around here anymore. We do not need that. Okay. All right, I gotta go. So number one is your uh motive. Number two is your perspective. Here it is right here. Our perspective in the marketplace should be that God is my boss. That's your perspective, that God is your boss. Now, listen, that's going to help you on a whole lot of fronts, because if God is your boss, then number one, you know that God is always looking. Let me say this to you. For those of you that own your own companies, God is your boss, so every deal you make that you feel like you ain't got to answer to nobody, you still got to answer to him. The way you spend your time, you still got to answer to him. The way you spend the company's money, even though it's your company, you still got to answer to him. So you got to know that God is your boss. Now here's how God, how Paul does this in the text that I think is amazing. When you look in the text, he often says, "Hey, put that twenty-two back up for me, uh, Christina." Four twenty-two. I'm sorry, 322 Colossians, he often uses whatever you do, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's go to next 23. Here it is. Uh, Yep. Uh Uh-huh. I'll take that one. Nope. go back. What was it? Whatever. Whatever you put up, I'm a preacher because I feel like preaching today. Here it goes. Uh, He says, don't try to get their favor, but in sincerity of heart, watch this, and in reverence to the Lord, whatever you do, go back, girl. Okay. (laughs) Whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not men. Keep going. He's really he's strategic here. Since you know that you're gonna get an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Now let me let me say this: when you start looking at Paul's writings, this is a this is a a a quite interesting connection. Normally he will say something like uh, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the Lord. But here, whenever you start seeing these, you got to look at what comes first. Because now he's saying, Lord Christ. Oftentimes he'll say, Christ Jesus, which is the anointing, resting on the man. But here he's saying, Lord Christ. What is mentioned first is what is important. The word Lord right here is the word curios, comes from the word "curus," which is supreme. So what he's saying here is you work for the supreme authority. So even though you got a boss, your boss got a boss. And when you come in here, you work for your boss's boss, who is also your boss, the supreme authority. So this is what I like about this, because when I do what I'm supposed to do, the supreme authority works on my behalf. You hear me? Even though my direct report may not see it that way. Your boss may make one call, but because your boss says, no, 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 I put you here for a reason. I got this. They'll come back to you and be like, no, I was thinking, maybe we shouldn't do it that way. Maybe we should do it the way you, maybe I am going to give you this time off. Maybe I am going to assign, I'm going to a sign so you can get that benefit. I'm, because initially they said no because the direct report said it. But the one who you actually serve, the supreme, says, I got this. So, you got to change your perspective about who your boss is. I know you do not like your boss. Some of y'all. Some of y'all don't like your boss. Don't say nothing. They might listen to this tape. I mean, this CD, this podcast, whatever. It is. I said, take, I'm old. <laughs> They might listen to this phonograph while wow, awesome. Waltz. So hear me. Although you report to an earthly boss, Paul says the way you have to think, since now you're in Christ, that you actually work for the supreme authority. So here's what's cool about that. The supreme authority don't have layoffs. And what I like about working for the Supreme Authority, even if I have to change locations, he's still my boss. <laughs> and one, one good thing about having a good boss is when that boss knows your life. When you got a good boss and they know your family structure and all of that, they'd be like, whatever you need. I know you got the kids, whatever you need. God is like, hey, whatever you need. I know you, I, I, I got you because I know you got me. But you're like, Lord, this, this, this boss here on earth, I don't like him. He say, don't worry about that. I got that. Because if you respond to me right, their hearts will be softened because of how you. Man, I'm preaching real good today. I'm preaching to you today about a Christ center nine to five. And when you go in there, you got to know that God is your boss. Listen, that same Psalm 24 text and one says this, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. See, you got and everybody that dwells in it. You gotta change your perspective. So you won't go into work tomorrow mad. You'll go into work tomorrow understanding that God, if you got me, I know I'm good because you own all of this. And you can't walk in there arrogant tomorrow. the only reason y'all ain't going down is because I work here. As soon as I leave here, and my anointing gonna leave and everything gonna go down. Stop being that way. Stop. That's just selfish talk because there's other Christians that work there. And if there ain't other Christians that work there, you've been there for 20-something years, it's your fault. (laughs) I'm just saying. So, listen, I'm finished. I'm just, I'm rambling now. Here's the deal. Your motive and your perspective needs to change. Listen, if you're going to have a work-life revolution, you don't have to begrudge your job. Listen, let me say something here going to change your life. And you don't have to have a new place of employment to have a new work life. You hear me? Even I just need a new job because I just can't do this anymore. No, you need a new view. You need a new view of your job. And if you listen, if your job is controlling the way you think, then you ain't in control of your mind.